I'm the longer I serve him. a blessing to you. I hope that you'll be able to get to know that one as we sing that in our church. If you want to stand, if you can turn the heat up a little bit. It's actually kind of cold in here today. But go ahead and take your Bibles today. Take your Bibles if you have them. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. Last week, we talked about the greatest commandment. The greatest one that there is. Today, we're going to talk about the second greatest commandment. This one it is it's like unto it as far as an importance goes but it's a little this one's a little different and it's very important i want to talk about it today but let's read matthew chapter 22 and we'll start reading in verse 35 through 40 then one of them which was a lawyer asked him a question tempting him and saying master which is the great commandment in the law jesus said unto him Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, 
and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for... Lord, I thank You for another opportunity to preach, dear God. And I thank You so much for that privilege to be able to proclaim Your Word. And Lord, I pray that this message will be a help. Dear God, I pray You'll help all of us to love our neighbor like we're supposed to. Dear God, help us to realize the importance of it. Lord, I know it will help make a difference in this community and Lord, in this world if we as Christians would follow this simple commandment. And I pray You'll help each one to do that. In Your name we pray. Amen. So, loving, loving your neighbor. said, it's one thing to love God. I think you, you, learn, you don't have to learn a lot about God to, for it to be easy to love Him. But God says, to, He said the second commandment, He said it's like unto it. In other words, as far as importance, it's, it's important like it. It's just as important. Just like those commandments, uh, those ten commandments, those first one, those first three are about us loving God, about not having any other gods, not taking His name in vain, not making graven images. That remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, I believe that that is a commandment that God gave for us for our benefit. I think it's good to have a day of rest. I think you ought to take a day off every now and then. I think you ought to have it. I think we ought to have days like this where we come to church and you just kind of get away from the normal routine. I think that commandment is it's partly a way of loving God too, but I think God gave it for us. Jesus said the Sabbath was or the Sabbath was created for man. It was to help us. We needed it. But then those next commandments: Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Those things deal with the relationship between us and men. Us and our neighbor. And if we would love our neighbor, it would take care of those other commandments we see real easy. If you love your neighbor, you're probably not going to kill them. You're not going to commit murder. If you love your neighbor, you're probably not going to steal from them. You're not going to, you're not going to commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. If you love them, you're not going to do those things. But let's talk about our neighbor for a little bit because I know what comes to our mind when we think, when we hear messages like this, when we read this verse. And these are the things that came to my mind when I was putting this message together. But you know, your neighbor may be the husband and wife next door who scream and cuss at each other. Okay? I had a neighbor like that. This guy, he was a crazy, he was a crazy looking guy. He scared me a little bit. And I remember one day I was outside and the kids were out there too. And we're out there raking leaves. It was this time of year in the fall. And his wife, she was out there raking the leaves and apparently she wasn't doing it right. And he just starts screaming at her right right there. And he's just using all this vile language at her because she wasn't raking the leaves right. I'm thinking, good night. It's not that big of a deal. And I, I mean, his language was getting worse and worse. I had to take the kids inside. I didn't want them hearing that. It was terrible. This was my neighbor. We were scared of this guy. I remember we didn't see her for a long time and we were thinking maybe that guy took care of her, might have killed her or something, but we ended up seeing her again, so she was alright, but we were just waiting to hear that he'd murdered her because he was mean. I was here in town the other day and I heard, uh, there was, I, all of a sudden I hear some screaming going on in the house and boy, this woman just starts screaming at her husband and then he starts screaming back and I could not even dare to repeat what he screamed back at her. It was just horrible. 
But you know what? Those are our neighbors. We're supposed to love them. Your, our neighbor may be the guy who leaves soda cans in your yard all the time or Jack Daniels bottles. Alright? You're saying that's kind of specific. Well, I had a neighbor that did that and he used to drive me nuts. He was always leaving stuff in my yard. They always, they had this basketball hoop up on the road and they always did it right in front of my house and they'd always leave everything in my yard. And it would just drive me crazy. And I would get mad and I'd see those cans there in the yard and I would throw them over in his yard. And then my wife's like, you can't do that. I'm like, why not? They're his soda cans. If he can leave them in my yard, if he can leave his soda cans in my yard, I can leave his soda cans in his yard. And, you know, and, you know, and she was probably right. I probably should have handled that a little better. But I uh, said, it's not easy sometimes. But, you know, her neighbor may be the guy who siphons gas out of your van on your second night in town. That happened to me. <laughs> Our second night here in town, I, I, I go outside and I look and both of the gas things are open and the caps are out, hanging out. And fortunately, the one van was already on empty so they really couldn't get anything out of there. But they probably got a good 20 or $30 out of the other one and wasn't real happy. But you know what? Supposed to love them. That's what God said. We've got to love our neighbors. Our neighbor may be the child who turns your water on and leaves it running for a few days while you're out of town. That happened one time. I went to Arkansas for my cousin's wedding and we were gone for a few days. And when we came back, they had turned the, the spigot on outside our house and then the water had been running for I don't know how long. And we had a set amount that we paid for our water. Our landlord, he actually paid the water bill. But I remember he gave us a call at the end of that month and he said, hey, uh, your water bill was really high this month. I was wondering what was going on. And I, I told him what happened. And I remember a few, it was a little while later, it snowed out and I was down in the basement and all of a sudden I heard the water come on. And I remember I went outside and I'm thinking it's a teenager, you know, some older teenager and I'm ready to just go out there. And I'm, I wasn't going to hit him or anything, but I was going to chew him out and scare him away from ever coming. And I go out there and they're gone and I see these like bike tracks in the yard, and all of a sudden I, I go falling through this backyard, and I look out on the road, and there it's this little kid. He's probably like six or seven years old, and I'm thinking, oh man, I can't go yelling at that. You know, I can't. I'll get that would be right for me to go just chewing that kid out. But I need to talk to his parents. So I went and I asked him. I said, I asked him, or I said, have you been in my yard? He said, no. I said, okay. I said, well, somebody's been in my yard. Turn the water on. I said. Where do you live? I need to talk to your parents. And he points to this house over across the street. So I go over there. A teenage boy answers the door. I said, hey, do you have a little brother that's riding a scooter around town? He's like, no, I don't have a brother. I was like, that little brat lied to me. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, I hear a mom yelling for a kid. And, I go, and then so I went to that house. I said, you looking for a little boy in a scooter? And I told her about what happened. And fortunately, it never happened again after that. But I was, I was mad. Your neighbor may be the people who live all around your house and every one of them have at least two dogs and they bark all night long. That may be your, that may be your neighbor. I had, I had some neighbors like that. For, I lived in the country most of my life and I remember right before me and my wife got married, I got a house in town. And Anybody ever see the 101 Dalmatians where that, they had that all-dog alert and all the dogs are barking? They had one of those every night where I lived and it just would drive me nuts. And I just, I'd want to go yelling at the neighbors, but I try to remember I was a Christian. I want to have a good testimony. But you know what? Your neighbor may even be a businessman 
a local businessman that kind of rips you off and takes advantage of you. Okay, These are the people that we're talking about. I've had that happen. I've had that happen recently. So, And God has told us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when Jesus said this, He knew what He was talking about. He... He didn't, he didn't put exceptions on there. He didn't say for the good neighbors. He said your neighbor. But you know, the truth is, if you look up the definition of a neighbor, in fact, the Webster's 1828 Dictionary is a very uh, interesting dictionary. It's the first one that Webster put out. And a lot of times to explain definitions of words in there, it uses Bible verses. And Webster, uh, in the 1828 Dictionary, his definition said, one of the human race, one that needs our help, or to whom we have an opportunity of doing good. And then he puts in there Luke 10, which tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And a story where Jesus was trying to basically teach us that your neighbor is not just the person who lives around you. It could be It's really anybody that you come in contact with. Anybody that you have an opportunity to do good to, that's your neighbor. So your neighbor may even be people Maybe people who are plotting the destruction of our country. Do you know there are nations out there that don't like us and that would love to see us destroyed and they would love to be the ones to do it and maybe are even planning on how they can do it right now. That may be our neighbor. Your neighbor may be cultures of people that run around naked in the jungles and eat other people. That may be your neighbor. Your neighbor may be uh, people from nations that are basically atheists. It's sad if you see what's going on in Europe today. I mean, religion is just almost non-existent over there. In England, the country that was responsible for evangelizing America, I mean, there are fewer and fewer churches over there anymore and most of them that are there are not preaching the truth. It's sad. Your neighbor may be a people of nations that worship many other gods, that worship the false gods. Over in India, they worship pretty much everything over there. They have... Uh, my uncle, he's been to India several times on missions trips, and he said it's not uncommon to go to be in India, and you will see people. They'll take their their cows down to the rivers, and they will bathe that cow. And they do that because not just because they care a lot about that cow, like it's a pet, but they worship it. I mean, they literally worship it. Some people literally worship their vehicles over there. They worship just about everything. They say it's very hard to to win to win people in India because in India they believe in so many gods that when you come and you tell them about Jesus Christ, they'll accept him because that's just one more of their list of gods they can have. But when you to try to convince them that he's the only God, they have a really hard time comprehending that. But there are neighbors. Our neighbor may be uh, they may be from a religion that believes in killing people in our religion. There are people out there like that. So it's so easy to understand the importance of loving God, but how can loving our neighbor be of like importance as loving God? I mean, think about that. See, it's very easy to hate your neighbor. It's very easy to get angry. And I'm not saying that you're not ever going to get angry. I'm telling you, some of the things that happen, you know, you're gonna get somebody siphons your gas, you're gonna get upset. Somebody, you know, lets their dogs run around and tear up your yard, you're gonna get upset. Those things are gonna happen, but at the same time God said to love our neighbor. Why is that? Why is it so important to love our neighbor? Why do you think that Jesus made and God has made such a big deal about loving our neighbor? Well I believe one of those reasons is because our neighbors 
are the creation of God. You know, when God created man, He was created in the image of God. We are created in the image of God. God loves His creation. He loves His people. Did you know that our neighbors, they weren't created for our pleasure. They were created for God's pleasure. Revelation 4.11 It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Your neighbor was created by God. Your neighbor is somebody who God loves. It's His creation. It's going to be important. So there's just something about something that you that you make or that you build that's important to you. Something that you make that has greater importance than something else. Like for for a lady, maybe a dress that she made or a, uh, some kind of, kind of sewing or whatever she did, it's going to be more important than just something that she gets from the store. It's hers that she made. She put it together. For a man, maybe if you build a house, you're the guy that does it, it's going to mean more to you than another house that somebody else built because you were the one that built it. You were the one that put it together. It's yours. It's your it's your building. It's your work. And our neighbors are the creation of God. They are His. They're His work. They were, and they were created for His pleasure, not our pleasure. God does punish the wicked. A lot of times, you know, we almost sometimes get pleasure when bad things happen to our neighbors. That's what they get. That's what happens since they're bad neighbors. God took care of them. And it, you know what? It is true. God does punish the wicked. I'm not one of these preachers that just is only going to talk about the love of God. We do have a God of love, but He also is a just God. And He's a God of wrath. You can make Him mad. He does execute judgment. Those things happen. But one thing that we see about God is while He is a God of wrath, He doesn't enjoy it. Ezekiel 33.11, you don't have to turn there, but it's a good verse to write down and look at. It says that, or he said, saying to them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? God does not enjoy punishing the wicked. He hath, He does, and He has to sometimes because He is a holy God. And in His holiness, He can't just let people get by with everything. He is a just God. And yes, it does make Him angry, but He doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't get pleasure in the... He says, I get no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And while and the attitude that we ought to have, if we love our neighbor... Because remember, God loves our neighbor. You know what God says He gets pleasure in? is when the wicked turn from their wicked ways. And the truth is, if we love our neighbor, if we really love our neighbor, we're going to try to do... If the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And the truth is, what is it that makes us where we're not the people siphoning gas out of other people's car? What is it that makes us not to be the person that's standing outside screaming and cussing at their wife? What is it that makes the difference? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the thing that makes a difference. He is what people need. If people had Christ in their life, if they would get saved, they wouldn't be doing some of these other things. If whoever it was that stole the gas, if he would have gotten saved a week ago, he wouldn't have done that. 
If the, and that's the thing that we ought to look at. Is instead of getting mad and wanting bad things to happen to our neighbor, we ought to love our neighbor and think, you know what, they need the same thing that I have because if it were not for Christ, I could be the thief. I could be the murderer. I could be the one who is the bad neighbor. Instead of being the salt of the earth like God told us to be, we could be all those bad things if it weren't for Christ. And if we love our neighbor like we love ourselves, we would realize that what they need is the same thing we need. They need Jesus Christ. And we can help turn the wicked to Christ. James 5.20, and this verse is exciting. It says, "...let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his ways..." Uh, error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. That neighbor that you have, whoever it is, that's just involved in all kinds of wickedness, maybe he's in trouble with the law all the time. Maybe the police are always getting called out to their house. Maybe they're, maybe he's having problems with drugs and all, who knows what all is going on, but you've seen all that wickedness that's going on in that house. You've seen the sadness. You've seen that. If you could witness to that person and get them to receive Christ, the Bible says not only will you save a soul from death, talking about an eternal death in hell, but you'll hide a multitude of sins. In other words, all, there's so, all these things that these people, unless they get saved, they're just going to keep sinning. The thief is just going to keep stealing. The murderer is just going to keep killing. But if they could get saved, it's going to stop all these bad things from happening. You know, there's there's all of us, we've all sinned. There's all things that we've done and we there's, we really can't do anything to make up for them. We talked about that in Sunday school today. We don't. There's no penance that we can do. The blood of Christ is the only thing that can take care of our sin. But one thing that we can do to make a difference is stop sin from happening. Because it has, it's a chain reaction. Somebody, you know, somebody sins against us, we want to sin against somebody else. We want to do, we want to, we want to try to make it right. But when we see people get saved, it will help to turn people to Christ and turn them away from sin. And it can make such a great difference. And it says hide a multitude of sin. There may be some here today, if you want, if you hadn't gotten saved years ago, you might be in prison today. We don't know. You might still be out committing the sins. We don't know. The fact is, Jesus Christ is the one that makes a difference. And we shouldn't get pleasure in seeing bad things happen to our neighbors, even if it's because they sinned against us. But it ought to be our desire to see them turn from their wickedness, to see them turn to Christ and receive salvation. And if they would do that, things would be a whole lot better. But our neighbors, they're not just the creation of God, but our neighbors are the very people that Jesus died on the cross for. Matthew 9.36 But when He saw the multitudes talking about Jesus, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith He unto His disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. Jesus, He's looking at this multitude of people. And these people, they, most of them, they probably didn't even know why they were there. They didn't even know what they were doing. They heard that there's a guy who's healing people of their sicknesses. Most of these people probably wanted to come see Jesus, not because they wanted to hear His words and change their life, but because they wanted to be healed. They wanted their problems to go away. And Jesus looked at them. And remember, Jesus could see people's hearts. He knew, he knew what was wrong. And the truth is, these people didn't even really 
It's like they didn't even know why they were there. They're just kind of wandering. It says a sheep having no shepherd. And he looked at that, and the Bible says he had compassion on them. And that's really that's where our world is today. You know, most people today, they don't really know what they're doing. If you were to ask them, you know, what are you trying to accomplish with your life? What are your goals in your life? And a lot of them, you know, they might have a few, but a lot of times they don't really know what they're doing. They don't really know what they're living for. They don't know why they live the lifestyle they live. A lot of people, even in the churches they go to, why do you go to that church? They don't know. Why do you belong to that religion? They, I don't know. Why do you, uh, you know, people who are doing wicked things? Why do, why do you do this? And they don't know. They're just kind of doing what everybody else is doing. Where we tend to be to just follow other people and do whatever's going on. Our world is like that today. That's why there's so much wickedness going on. It's just people are following other people, and for the most part, wickedness is prevailing. It seems like. And they're just going along with what everybody else does. But the uh, the truth is, Jesus, when He looked at the people, He saw that He had compassion on them. He went ahead and He healed them of their sickness. He raised people from the dead. I mean, He did one miracle after another of these people, and then He would preach to them. And a lot of people would listen. But you know, there one thing that we do see is these same people that came around and were being healed of Jesus, they were nowhere to be found when Jesus was put on the cross. They were nowhere to be found. The Bible says there were multitudes that followed Him, but when Jesus was on the cross and when Pilate brought Jesus and Barabbas before them, they said, who do you want us to release? All those people, probably some of the very people that Jesus healed, they cried out for Barabbas. When he said, What do you want me to do with Jesus? Those same people cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. The truth is, these people had, even though they had been healed of different things, they had not been saved. They had not received Christ as their Savior yet. They were still just going along with everybody else. They were sheep having no shepherd. And Jesus looked at that and he had compassion on them. The truth is, if they had been saved, they wouldn't have been screaming, Crucify him. If they would have been saved, they wouldn't have forsaken him. They wouldn't have done those things. But yet, Jesus still died for them. He still died for them. He died for the soldiers that nailed him to the cross. He died for the religious leaders of that time who had Jesus put on the cross. He died for us who sinned against Him and who continually sinned against Him. He did all these things for us and He did that for our neighbors. And those neighbors that we have that drive us crazy, that sometimes it's almost as though we're praying for the judgment of God to fall on them, those people are the very people that Jesus died for. And He wants to use us to help bring those people to Him to see them get saved. He wants us to set the example. Because that that could be us. Our neighbors are the people that the Holy Spirit is working on. And He wants our help. John chapter 20, verse 21 says, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as My Father hath sent Me, even so send I you. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. He tells His disciples, My Father sent Me. He sent Me here with a purpose. Why did He come? The Bible says He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why He came to earth. And He said, As the Father has sent Me, even so send I you. And when He had said this, He breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. You know, it's the Holy Ghost that works through us to help bring people to Christ. Did you know that 
Tommy McMurtry on his own cannot lead get anybody saved. I can't. I can't. I can't do anything on my own. But the Holy Spirit, though, it's the Holy Spirit that draws people. It's the Holy Spirit that brings people to salvation. And the Holy Spirit, thank thank God, He uses us to do that. He uses His Word and He uses the preaching. And with the Holy Spirit's help, we can see people get saved. We can see people give their hearts to Christ. It's not because of us. It's because of the Holy Spirit. And thank God, He uses us. And Jesus, He told His disciples, just like God sent me, I'm sending you. And He breathed on them and He gave them the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit at that point on worked through the disciples and the disciples saw many people saved. They saw many people come to Christ. And uh, and these guys were the ones that the Bible says they turned the world upside down. They literally changed the world. And they did that through the help of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, He wants to use you to bring your neighbors to Christ. The, you know, Chances are, your neighbor is not going to read their Bible. This is probably not going to happen. It's hard enough to get Christian people to read their Bible sometime. But chances are, if they're, if they're going to get saved, it's not going to be because they read their Bible. Because the truth is, a lot of people aren't. And the truth is too, you can go to bookstores today and you try to find a Bible and people have no idea which one to get because there are so many different ones. And some of them are just pretty messed up. You know what? They need people like us to tell them. Bible says, "How can they hear without a preacher?" Uh, Bible, I mean, there's there's all there's many verses that the Bible gives about how we need to go and tell people. The chances are your other wicked neighbor is not going to be the one to tell them about Jesus. God's put us here to do that. God's put us here. He's put you around them, the people that you live around, the people that you work with, your neighbors, your family. Those God has sent you. To them, God wants us to be a witness to other people, and that's what would change. That's what, and Jesus Christ is what's going to change your neighborhood. And the Holy Spirit, He's going to be working on them. He's going to use you. I, I could tell you so many stories about different things. I remember uh, just recently over in a small town outside of LaSalle, we were going there and we were inviting people to church, and uh, we talked to one person and. They expressed some interest, and they said that they wanted to talk. Uh, they wanted to talk to the pastor, and my dad went over there to speak to him. And my dad went, and he started to show them a verse in the Bible. I don't remember which one it was, but that person started crying when they did that because they had a family member who had just wrote them a letter telling them the same things, and they gave them the same scripture verse. You know what that was? That was the Holy Spirit working right there. That was the Holy Spirit working. Through my dad, those the Holy Spirit working through their family member. They gave them that. The Holy Spirit does that because He wants to save people. He wants to He wants to save your neighbors. God doesn't want to punish them. He wants them to turn from their wickedness, and He wants them to be saved. Everyone who's ever gotten saved, they got saved because the Holy Spirit drew them. John six forty four says, "No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me." Draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. The Holy Spirit draws people to salvation. The same is true with us. You know, God loved us first. Did you know that? We didn't, you didn't love God first, and then He loved you. He loved us first, and then we ended up loving Him back. First John 4.19 says, We love Him because He first loved us. God initiated it. He was the one who showed love first. 
And as Christians, we ought to be the ones who do kindness to our neighbor first. We ought to initiate it. We ought to love them first before they love us. We ought to do the kind acts to them before they do it to us. The places that you work, you ought to do the good things first. And when you and when you do that, when you show kindness first, other people will do it as a result. It's the it's it's the same thing that happened with us. God loved us, and then we ended up loving Him back. And we need we need to spread that. But Jesus makes an, He makes an interesting statement. He said, "Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself." You know, most people, I think for the most part, we love ourselves. Okay. Now, you're not necessarily looking in the mirror every morning admiring yourself and thinking what a beautiful, wonderful person. But the truth is, we do, we do a good job to take care of ourselves. When we get hungry, what do we do? We feed ourselves. When we get tired, what do we do? We lay down and take a nap. When we get stressed out, what do we do? We find a way to relax and enjoy ourselves. We take ourselves on vacations. We, uh, we, do, we buy things for ourselves. We do all these things for ourselves, you know why? It's it's because we love ourselves. We're trying to take care of ourselves. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but the truth is, what is it? We and we said it earlier that makes the difference more than anything else is Jesus Christ. I, listen, because I do, I'll admit I care about myself. Because I am concerned about myself, I don't want me to go to hell. I don't. I don't want to go there. I that, that would be horrible. So you know that's one of the reasons I got saved. It's one of the reasons I gave my life. And that's one of the reasons I gave my heart to Christ. I wanted Him to save me. I didn't want to have to suffer eternal punishment. And it was that love for myself, I guess you could say, that motivated me to do that. Another reason I serve God is because, I'll admit, you know what? God blesses it. There's blessings that come with serving God. There are blessings that come with following His Word. That's why I study the Bible. I want to learn more. I want to do more because these things constantly help me and make my life better. And if I love my neighbor like I love myself, what am I going to want more than anything for my neighbor? I'm going to want them to get saved. I'm going to want them to receive Christ as their Savior because I don't want them to have to suffer eternal punishment. I want them to have a better life. That's why I'm going to invite them to my to invite them to our church. I'm going to tell them, hey, you need to come to church. Listen, we... We teach the Bible there. We'll encourage you to do right. It's hard to do right in this world we live in today. There is so much wickedness going on. We are becoming, it seems like, a smaller and smaller minority all the time. But the truth is, uh, if, if we, if we, the more that we do for God, the more we follow His Word, the better things get. And it's nice when you can have places like church where you can come and get around other people who love God and other people who want to do right. We get encouraged by that. If I love my neighbor, I'm going to want them to have Jesus Christ. I'm going to want them to follow the Bible. I'm going to show. I'm going to set. I'm going to set the example for them. That's the best way to teach anybody anything, is to show them how to do it. I'm not real good at verbal instruction. I never was. When I was in school, if a teacher says I figured this out this way, and they would explain it to me verbally, it didn't always register. I got. I'm. You know, I'm not the fastest person in the world mentally. But what would help me is when they would show me. When they when I would watch them do it. Other jobs that I've had. When I've learned those jobs, I had people like show me what to do. Let me let me watch. 
That's why, and the world needs to see us following the Word of God. Your neighbor needs to see that because when they see you doing it, then they'll know how to do it. You know, one of the reasons that we see in our country today, just, I mean, the parenting situation in our country Saturday, how many kids, or how many moms and dads aren't taking care of their kids? How many grandparents have to raise the kids for the parents? You know why it is a lot of times? It's because the kids never saw how to be good parents. A lot of a lot of young men today who are are dads, they never got to see how to be a dad. They never got to see how they were supposed to treat their wife. They never they never got to see it. Nobody ever showed them. They've been told, but they never got to see it firsthand. And boy, that's important. That is so important that you see that our neighbors need to see that. Our neighbors, they're a reminder, or they should be a reminder of what we once were or what we could have been. Without Christ, First Peter one nine. You don't have to turn there. But I want to read this first two. It says, "But we talked about this a couple weeks ago in Sunday school." It says, "But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and forgotten that he was purged was purged from his old sins." We forget that sometimes about how it was Jesus Christ that made the difference. I've got uh, I've got a lot of family members, a lot of cousins that are a lot different than I am. My dad, he he grew up in a family with nine kids. or nine kids in his family. And my dad is the only one out of all nine kids that never went to jail. He's, I mean, most of them, almost all of them I think except for one, they've all been divorced, most of them multiple times. I mean, they've had... Uh, it's, it's sad. Uh, there's uh, In Missouri, uh, there's a town where... Got a lot of family there. And we kind of joke about this town. We've always called it the armpit of America. It's just a nasty, nasty town. And there's a lot of wickedness that goes on in this town. And you know what? I'm related to a lot of these people. And you know, whenever I go to that town, I never look and think, man, what rotten people I'm related to. You know what I think every time? I think about the grace of God because you know what? It was by the grace of God that my dad, he kind of, he kind of got rescued from that situation. My dad had an uncle who was a pastor who took my dad in, saw the situation he was in. My dad got to live with him. And my dad says for the first time in his life, he got to see real Christianity, a real somebody who was real and true. He lived with them for a while and it changed his life. He got around his cousin, Ken, who was a, who became a preacher and who's a pastor still today. And he, I mean, he followed him and he did a lot of those same things. And he avoided many of the problems that was through that church that he was at with his uncle where he met my mom and where they got married. And they've been married now for, uh, for over 30 years. 31 years they've been married. Almost 32, I believe. It was, it was by the grace of God. And you know what? Whenever I'm around some of those, that family, some of my cousins who, whose parents are my dad's brothers and sisters, I think that could have been me. If it hadn't been for different people that had gotten saved, and if it hadn't been for different people who gave their lives to Christ, I might not have gotten saved either. I was blessed. I was saved at a young age. I was able to avoid all kinds of difficulties that a lot of people have had to face. But that had nothing to do with me. That was just by the grace of God. And I'm remind, whenever I'm around them, I'm reminded of that, and I'm, I'm just more thankful for it. And it makes me think, you know what? I want to tell more people about Christ, because I want, because you know what? There's a lot more 
young teenage boys like my dad out there that they're in rough situations. You know what? They just need Christ. They need they need to see somebody who's a real true Christian. They need to see somebody who's who's living right. Somebody to set the example. And if they would see that, they would become that. They would do that same thing. And eventually, if we could do this and start following it the way God wanted us to, our neighbors could end up being some pretty good people. You may have some neighbors today that you're very close friends with. And if you have that, that's a blessing. That's exciting when you have that. But you know what? That's not always the case. And your neighbors aren't just people that live around you. Our neighbors are anybody that we have an opportunity to do good to. I don't know about you, but I want to see... I want to see the Sterling Rock Falls area. I want to see things get better around here. I know I've, I've talked to a lot of people and they talk about how it's, it's hard right now and there's, there's difficulty with the job situations and with the economy and it's hurting a lot of people. A lot of people are hurting because of sin. I was just in the gas station the other night and it was late at night and there was a young mom there and she had two little kids with her and I could hear her talking on the phone and, and talking about her, her husband and how I think they just needed to get out of the house and how every once in a while he just gets in these moods and he just feels like he has to drink. And I remember, and I remember thinking, you know, and I didn't want to just, you know, get in, butt in and I want to mind my own business. So I'm thinking, man, if these people just give their lives to Christ, they wouldn't need that anymore. If her husband would give his life to Christ and get God in his life and just get saved, he wouldn't need to turn to alcohol. She wouldn't need to leave the house late at night with her, with her young kids. They wouldn't have to do that kind of thing if they were saved. And that's the thing that's going to make the difference in this community. It's not going to be who wins the, the election next year. It's not, I mean, that, that can help some things, but that's not what's going to make the difference in this country. That's not what's going to make the difference in this community. What's going to make the difference is people getting saved. People starting to live their lives for God. That kind of thing start to, starts to happen. It's going to have an impact. It's going, to, it's going to change things. God's going to bless this area. And that's going to come when we as Christians, those of us who are saved, we start loving our neighbor. And we start... Not just telling them about Christ, but showing them how to be a true Christian. How to do right. When we start doing that, we can truly make a difference. And I hope you'll do that. So let's stand together.